Blog Talk Radio. Oh my God, My name is Raina Star. I am your host. Um, Desperate House, which is, is not a P. P. It's not a P, y'all. It's not a G, PG, or even an R-rated show. So if bodily function, bad language, and dirty talk of any kind offend you, this may not be the show for you. But, you know, you tune in because I have a foul mouth. I know this about you people. Anyway, Desperate House, which is, is brought to you by... The one, the only, the incredibly wicked one herself, the amazing Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your witching needs. I am so happy to have today's guest. It's her first time, so I'm very excited about that, too. I have with me author Deborah DeAngelo, who wrote... Uh, well, actually, you've written a couple of things, and you were a writer-writer, but your current book, and we'll go back and talk about your other stuff in a minute, but your current book that we're talking about is Pagan Curious, A Beginner's mm-hmm. Guide to Nature, Magic, and Spirituality. Hey, Deborah. Hey there. What's up? <laughs> well, I'm just sitting here enjoying this new experience, and I, I like your style. I have to say, if we live next door to each other, we'd be best friends. I agree with that. I think that is very, very true. Because, you know, in friendships, it's really interesting. There's always, like, you know, the one that gets everyone in trouble and the person who kind of <laughs> goes along with it. And I have the feeling you would be a great accomplice. I think. Totally. Totally. It would be two accelerators and no brakes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, Deborah, welcome to the show. Thank you for agreeing to come on. Thank you for sitting through that opening music. I really wish somebody would, like, write something so I didn't ha- I mean, that music is just – I've been complaining about the opening theme song probably since the show started. And I still haven't <laughs> been able to find anybody to write something for me. So, you know, send those cards and letters and give me some ideas. But anyway, um, so you're a writer for Llewellyn. This is not your first book. Um, you also I have your the name of your other book here. I did a minute ago, but you know I'm getting old <laughs> now, so shit happens. Um, what was the name? You had a previous book. Tell me about the previous book. One, uh, and and the career starter for me in this this new venture is the elements of horse spirit, the magical bond between humans and horses, and it's all about how horses have um, helped and assisted humans um, throughout time since since we were both you know the 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 pre-animals we are now back in the in the savanna um, to present and how horses, they moved mountains for human, human culture. But spiritually, horses as a spirit animal can do the same for you to um, grow and develop and, and meet your goals. And then it also talks about the value of horses as companions and how they can be therapists. They're not just vehicles to ride or machines to do work a relationship with a horse can just change your whole life and and in fact it's my relationship with my horse he literally changed my life and I just want to share that with people because there's so many horses out there that you know are are quote no longer useful that were former race horses Mm -hmm. or cattle horses and they've been injured or they're old and these horses all end up going to slaughter and ending up on a European dish in a restaurant or in dog food can in some mm-hmm. other country. 
and they have so much wow. to give. And yeah. and um, they're they're doable. You know, you don't have to be a professional rider to learn how to have a horse as a companion. So that's book number one. Oh, that's awesome! Wow. Yeah, you know, I I had I had a horse that I used to visit every summer, and he was a beautiful horse. His name was Tank, and he stepped on my foot once, and it wasn't because <laughs> of anything he did wrong. It was completely my inexperience, but we became really close friends, and he was kind of my protector and my buddy, and. You know, I didn't have a great childhood, and my folks would just shovel me off to, to summer camp. And this one animal was just like my entire world for two and a half months every year, and it was it was quite a bond. So, yeah, I get what I I totally get it. I I have lived it's that good. experience. It's really amazing. It is. If you bring a horse into your life, your life will never be the same. They're miracles. It's pretty amazing. As a matter of fact, I'm lucky enough to have a couple of friends who have horses on their farms. So I'm, I'm. If I need horse energy, I've, I've actually got a couple of folks I can go to for that, that love, as it were, which is really, really nice. So that's cool. Perfect. So okay. It's your horse fit. So you. So when did you? When did you write that book? Um, I wrote it in 2019. And it was my first book, and, you know, I'd been a columnist and newspaper editor for 26 years and always dreamed of being an author. And and Uh this all happened, like, like serendipitously. The newspaper where I worked was purchased by a new owner, and Uh my evaluation was it was better that we part ways because we weren't philosophically on the same page (laughs) and write about that. Oh, wow, really? It's yeah. like the universe just has lined it all up, like all in order. And so I spent the next year working on that book and polishing it and going through all of the things we go through to get published. It really takes a whole year from the time you turn in the manuscript till the time it publishes. And I'm imagining, oh, when it comes out, I'm going to go to book signings and I'm going to I'm going to be like Pinocchio. I'm going to be a real boy. And I'm going to go to signings and appearances. Well, when did it come out? June 2020, right at the heart of the pandemic. So yeah. it's like nobody thinks about books in the middle of the pandemic. So it, it was kind of you know anticlimactic, but you know on, on the small level in my own life, it was a pretty big deal because it it was a it was turning a corner. You know, finally I was writing something that wouldn't end up in the recycling bin the next day. That's what a columnist lives with. You know, I pour my heart into it and it. It's soaking up puppy pee on the kitchen floor the next day. It's very humbling. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Why? Wow. I never thought about that. So, I mean, but being, you know, being a journalist, is it must be such a different thing from being an author with a topic that you're really going after because, you know, I see that, you know, when somebody writes a book, they're, it's a very focused thing and, but journalism can be all over the place. So, I mean, that must have been a real big change. It, well, it was huge. I mean, journalism is a whole different thing. It's You have to be very objective, and you have to sometimes make people angry and uncomfortable. And it's it's not always a walk at the beach every day in a newspaper office. And writing columns, my forte was writing sarcastic political commentary. So I, in, in print, felt like I was living my whole life with my fists up. Every day was a slugfest, and you make a lot of enemies. And I remember meeting somebody in a bar one time, and he said, oh, you're that lady that writes for the newspaper? And I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, I hate you. <laughs> and up oh, till then, we've been having a fine conversation. But I was very opinionated, and that was my thing. But meanwhile, concurrently, now I'm a Gemini, so I can swing this perfectly. I'm also doing massage therapy part-time and also got midway <laughs> in my journalism career. I did discover the pagan past, and that is an entirely different world, and it was like the path I had been looking for my whole life. And um, the yeah. thing is, though, I 
had to squelch it because um, most non-pagans don't understand what that is. To to a lot of non-pagans, uh-huh. it's all the devil, and they don't want anything to do with it. And and a, a newspaper editor, you have a very public role. So I never could really go there much. It's like I had to live dual lives, one at work and one at home, because sure. paganism doesn't pay the bills. It still doesn't pay the bills. Massage will, but not <laughs> paganism. But um, in, in some ways, it was just such a relief to let go of that side of myself, because more and more, it was, it was such a battle, you know, and I, I just got yeah. tired of it of always being in a fight with everyone, you know, like, you know, like one of those Marvel comic heroes. It's like everybody's coming at me in print and I'm going at them and it's just a whole different vibe. And, you know, you can just sometimes lay it down. Sort of like the ten of of rods, you know. I'm just going to lay this burden down now and done with it. (laughs) Wow. So I got to ask, you know, I don't know if you were raised like me. Like, okay, so my background is my mother started off as a pagan, and then my father swooped in with his um, Pentecostalness, and you know, like converted my mother. So I, you know, it's from from you know goddess worship to uh, Christianity, Pentecostal Christianity, back to paganism i mean i never really let it go but of course my mother once she got converted was very into the idea that i needed to be converted as well and that never really took um but my household wasn't all that religious what was yours like well my parents boy we could talk for six hours about that my mother was just (laughs) My father was Catholic, and that those two things are like oil and water. And on top of that, they both had bad experiences with religion. So they decided yeah. to raise their kids completely free of religion. Um, I was completely agnostic. In fact, the family Bible that my father owned, he kept it in a hidden compartment in the basement with his Playboy magazines. I mean, it was, you know, it was porn. It was off limits. Um, religion was just not part of my life at all. And I hear some of my friends with really religious upbringings and their struggles. And I think I am actually really grateful that I was raised free of it to make my own decisions. But also with my parents, there was alcoholism and, and abuse and all kinds of stuff going on in the house. And my parents were very wrapped up in their mutual ongoing battle me and my mm-hmm. sister were sort of invisible. And so I spent most mm-hmm. of my time communing with the animals and the trees and the horses. And, you know, I used to just run wild barefoot through the horse pastures. And and that's where I felt best and be out on my horse and wandering out into the, to the, to the riverbank nearby. And I always felt safer, yeah. more at home and more myself, surrounded by trees, and yep. communing with animals and, and being on my own. And, and you know, over the course of life, you get married, you get a job, you raise kids, you have bills to pay, you, you yep. can forget that. And so discovering yeah. the pagan community reconnected me to myself. It's like I didn't wow. become something else. I, it was like getting over 40 years of amnesia. Oh, yeah. I'm this, but now, as a pagan, I actually have a vocabulary for what I'm doing and what I'm thinking and what I believe. There's context for it now, where before I was just sort of feral, and now I I understand it, you know, and it's a beautiful thing to come through a tumultuous life and rediscover that you're right where you left you. (laughs) Wow. You know, we have so much in common, it's scary, because I didn't realize you had had um, a difficult childhood. My father was extremely abusive. I talk about that quite often. Um, you know, and a lot of people are like, oh, you need to get over it. And I'm like, fuck you. I don't need to get over shit. The man damaged me for real. And, you know, I think a lot of the time everybody wants to hide, um, you know, any kind of mental problems or illnesses. 
And uh, that is, you know, I love the the people who are coming up now who are, like, not afraid to say, listen, I struggle, and, you know, there's some things that happen to me. And, and people are so much more free. Like, when I was growing up, you know, everyone knew my father was mentally ill, but that was – you don't say that stuff back then, you know. I mean, I'm 60 years old, so my dad – when I was born, my dad was 30. So, I mean, and everybody knew. They used to say <laughs> he too. was nervous. Oh, you know, he, he's just very nervous. No, 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 no. He was bipolar and manic depressive and abusive on top of it. I mean, it was just really a bad situation. And I think if he had gotten the help that he needed, he could have had a completely different life. And I probably would have as well. So, you know, yeah, you and I relate on so many levels. Yeah. But like, when did you both when did you realize that? I'm sorry. I was going to say we're both of the age. I'm going to take a wild guess here. Yeah. Was your dad also a World yeah. War II vet? See, mine too. So no, see, mine. If you yeah. add it, just add alcohol to everything you described. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but my father didn't have. My father didn't even have that as an excuse. My father never served in the military, never did anything for his country. Uh, My father was just one of these guys who was going to, you know, I mean, he was a nuclear engineer, so he's obviously pretty smart, Um, you know, spoke nine languages fluently. I mean, my father was pretty brilliant. Um, Unfortunately, (laughs) I didn't get any any of that. Oh, my my dad was on um, Omaha Beach on D-Day at 18 years old. Wow. Was Had his whole unit blown up within half an hour of landing and was the only survivor. He was really fucked wow. up. And, yeah, and my mother. Reason. I mean, but you could see your, your father had an excuse. I mean, you could point to that. He was an eight. He was a child, really, a child, child thrown into a man's situation, and like everyone he had arrived with was suddenly gone. I mean, what does that do to the brain and 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 the emotions and the psyche? Devastating. My father didn't even have that as an excuse. I mean, the, there's just insanity on his side, but that's another story. Tell me about your mom. Well, I actually have worse mommy issues than daddy issues because, like you're saying, because my dad's situation was so traumatic, I eventually could understand him, and I could give him a pass on all the crazy. My mother, Mm -hmm. now both my parents were doctors. My my mother met at medical school, and my mother was a doctor in the 50s when women weren't supposed to be doctors. And, in fact, I got in trouble mm-hmm. in elementary school, and I told the teacher that my mother's a doctor, and she said, no, you mean a nurse. And I said, no, she's a doctor. <laughs> principal's office for lying. So, wow. I mean, it's a real wow. thing in the mid-'50s for a woman to be a doctor, but she was sure. an odd duck. I mean, the reason she did that was mothering was not her gig. She had zero maternal instincts. And I don't think she ever mm-hmm. wanted kids. It was expected back in those days that you will have kids. But she and I just wow. never engaged. So I have huge mommy issues. And like you're saying about your dad, I don't give her a pass because she had no good excuse for being the way she was. She was just a very cold disengaged person. She would rather, you know, look at medical things than make dinner or wash her hair, you know, so she just wasn't wow. a mother. At some level, I should be able to accept that was who she was, but it's it's like you're saying when people say, just get over it, it's that thing mm-hmm. that twists my soul, and it's sort of like if you were paralyzed when you're 10 and everybody else is out dancing and you say, well, I, I can't dance because my legs don't work, and people say, well, just get over it. Mm-hmm. Right. But you can be crippled emotionally, you know, from trauma as well. So I really relate to what you're saying about people who don't have these experiences or background being very callous uh, about what you're going through and yeah. how come how come you're still at age 60 still struggling, you know? 
Right. You know, and you know, it's interesting that you say that about your mother because in my situation, my mother, first of all, my mother did not want children. I was a complete accident. Um, my mother, I don't believe, really wanted to marry my father. I think she just did it to get away from my grandmother because my mother wanted to be free and do her thing, and um, but she got trapped because she got pregnant, right? So, I mean, that there was always resentment around just my existence, and you know, it's a horrible thing to feel. Yeah, and because my father was so insane, like, he was very abusive, like, extremely abusive. So if she could make me his target, he would leave her alone. So, like, my mother used me as a human shield. So I have no forgiveness for her either because she was like, you know, if he was crazy and abused me, she let it happen. You know what I mean? So I totally get you. Oh, get it. Okay. You and I should right? spend about talking, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we will. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. So, you know, when folks talk about, you know, being neurodivergent or, you know, gender fluidity or all of these other things that that people used to never find acceptable, I totally understand, and it's, you know, to just not feel accepted by your own people, like by the people you literally came from, is just such a fucked up thing. So, like, that's why I want to hug everybody whose parents shit on them because I get it. I was shit on too. Let me hug you. Let me give you some love, you know. And it's interesting because yeah. you, you were raised without religion. I raised my kids without religion because – I didn't want them to feel like they were forced into anything, including what I believe, which is a hell of a lot more freeing than what, you know, the Pentecosts will tell you. But, I mean, it's just, it's remarkable how, you know, people don't realize, you know, you you meet somebody and you have no idea of what this person has been through just from a first meeting or a first conversation. But I think on some level we are all, hurt and scared of something and you know I just I think if we can stop looking to attack each other I just see so much attack in you know paganism in the world at large obviously on social media it's it's so upsetting to see you know especially pagans fighting each other I, I find it so disheartening because it's like I want this place to be better than when I got here. You know, I want things to be better for folks, you know, and, and for folks to have more rights, not fewer rights. And it's, it's just everything is just like in this crash and burn mode, and I don't know what to do with those emotions sometimes. What about you? Well, you, you really hit a nerve with me with, um, well, first of all, this, this cruelty to each other. I think the biggest sin of humanity, and I use that word in quotes, is the mm-hmm. compulsion to control other people's behavior and choices. Like, why can yeah. we just? Why do we need our ego to feel okay only when other people behave or believe the same as us? And as for the pagan community, you know, when I I found it sort of at its glory days before the internet was really a big thing. It was just in its infancy. Yeah. And I went, yeah. Oh, this is a miracle. Elders are valued and people that are shaped differently yeah. are a different color. Everybody has a place. Everybody's accepted. This is like if there's heaven, this is heaven. And then slowly over the yeah. years and I could swear it's because of social media, I saw it deteriorate. And then I thought straight up conflict and backbiting, and it's like, you know, it used to be, and I write about in in Pagan Curious, the big pagan garden, and we have, there's roses and violets, and everybody's getting along, but more and more, I guess to use the garden analogy, there's a lot of little bugs in there eating the leaves, you know, and making it a less pretty place. And I don't know where we turn that corner from being, um, the big pagan tent 
to, well, well, those people are okay, but these aren't. I mean, there's so much um, pagan puritanism going on that mm-hmm. there's no live and let live in, anymore. And I don't, I don't know what the solution is. Every, and it is palpably different than it was, you know, 15 years ago. And that's not that long. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like I think the elders just... in the community minimized the way they are. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I get it. I mean, but, you know, it's, it's interesting because everybody has an equal opportunity to sh- be shit on and uh, cast shit <laughs> yeah. to others. I see it. In, I really see it in both directions. You know, I love the fact that, you know, and you said this earlier, because, you know, elders are actually kind of, well, not even elders, just folks who've been around a while. Um, I've been around mm-hmm. a really long time. I don't consider myself an elder. I kind of look at that as a special title for people who, like, earned yeah, it, which I did not, you know. So, But it's like, you know, I can be a fat bitch and roll my ass up to the buffet and say, hey, y'all, and feel completely welcome and not judged and, you know, because there's six fat bitches just like me, and we're hanging, baby. We're having a good time. We're going to be eating. <laughs> we're going to be talking. We're going to be laughing. I say this with my friends all the time, you know, and a lot of them are writer friends, and they're like, we're going to eat, bitch. We've already got plans. Come on. Because <laughs> we're going to a place that we, we're, we don't live near for this convention that we're going to. Mystic South, y'all, come to Atlanta and come see me and hang out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible thing because you get these pockets where people do accept each other and you do get these pockets, yeah. especially face to face. That's the beautiful thing about being in the physical company of other pagans, because it's much harder to be an asshole when somebody's five fucking inches from your face. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it, just act like that all the time. Just pretend that's all the time. Like, I'm talking to you like you're sitting next to me. I think if people did that more often, they maybe not be so mean to each other because people are really vicious. And I know a lot of it is external fear. Listen, the world is a fucking scary place. There's a war going on. Trump happened. I don't know what's happening politically. People are buying shit up all over the place. People are running out of places to live. It's scary. It's a scary world. It is scary. When you're, it is. But when you're scared, you should be able to go to the people that you relate to and say, hey, I'm scared. Can you, like, listen to me, let this out of my system for a few minutes? And I'm very lucky. I've got yeah. friends who let me do that. And, you know, when they want to spill it, because, listen, we all have to let stuff go sometimes and just say it. And sometimes it doesn't sound pretty. Sometimes it sounds like, that fucking guy makes me nuts. I wish he wasn't on the face of the earth anymore. <laughs> it just feels good right. to take that shit out, right? So, I mean, I just want to see more of that. I just want to see people more hang together to fight the bad shit as opposed to be scattered everywhere and be all scared in our little pockets of, you know, our existence. It's just really unnerving that we're not, you know, we talk about building community. Everybody says build community. Oh, community's so important. Half the people act like it isn't. So how are you going to build community when you have people who are reluctant or unwilling and, you know, you're trying to push through anyway. But some, some people don't want to, they don't want to come. They don't want to be along. Or they want to, they want to build the community, but they only want the community to have the people that are just like them. It's it's not inclusive of everyone, only the people that are on my page. So, yeah, just... but you know, paganism has expanded in so many directions. Witchcraft has expanded into so many directions. This whole idea of I can only be valid or validated if I can prove that I'm more pure than you. Why does anyone give a fuck about this? I don't understand. Okay, you're pure. Go ahead. Be pure. Enjoy yourself. Do your thing. 
but your purity isn't any more important than my purity or not purity. I really don't think there's any purity anymore. I, I don't even know what that would have looked like. Um, because I will tell you, as somebody who was raised Gardnerian, um, there's a lot of shit I reject from being a Gardnerian. There just is. You know, you got to change and grow. And when I was coming up in the 70s, the world was a lot fucking different than it is now. And you've got to change with shit, you know. You've got to get more information and not stay stuck. I th- and, and folks have heard me say this 900,000 times. Anything that doesn't change and grow dies, period. Yep. That's the got definition to, of death, the absence of life and growth. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, that, that whole purity thing, you know, not for nothing, but like, you know, people used to marry in their family to keep bloodlines pure, and we see how that went. Okay, so I'm just saying, <laughs> maybe not pure is good, like really good, like so much better than pure. I'm, you know, listen, everybody I, can I, do I, what they want. Why do we care what other people are doing? I don't get it. Right. It's, it's why I frequently describe myself as a garden variety pagan, because purity <laughs> doesn't really appeal to me much, you know. And it's like everybody's really concerned about. I am. A daffodil. I am a peony, and I'm the best of, of, of show. And it's like, yeah, I'm just a little wildflower that sprouted here in this crack, and I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I'm just, I'm a dandelion or That's something. But I think there needs to be a place <laughs> for everybody else that is like, well, I just want, kind of want to be my own natural, organic self and relate to the world and relate to my spirituality in the way that works for me and not feel judged or less than because I'm not a high priestess in a gardenarian circle, you know? Like, isn't there enough room in the garden for everything? (laughs) I know. It's so funny because my mentor called us gardenias because he thought (laughs) gardenarian was just way too uptight. He's like, yeah, nah, you know, here's here's what the original shit said but here's the shit we're doing i mean it, it was a lot more I free flowing <laughs> i love it <laughs> so yeah you know i mean i it's it doesn't impress me i you know i'm not trying to impress anybody i don't know why anybody would give two shits about my opinion they shouldn't i'm just you know i'm just here for the party man i'm here to have a good time until the ride's <laughs> over I'm going to ride the ride until the ride is done. So, you know, that's kind of it. And I get to talk to groovy people. And, you know, I got a really nice email from somebody today who said, they, and I'm paraphrasing, it was like, bitch, I love you. Bitch, you're funny <laughs> as fuck. And that, that was like the greatest thing. Hi, Rhiannon. Anyway, I mean, she's like, I just found your show, and I fucking love it. And I'm like, wow, somebody likes what you're doing. That's so cool. And I get a giggle out of it every time. I'm like, oh, shit, somebody thinks I'm funny? That's fucking awesome. And that's, like, it, though. It's not like, oh, she's oh she's such a wise witch. Oh, I can learn <laughs> things from her because she must be smart because she's fucking old. No, it's not really. Um, I just have a good time. That's all I really care about. Um, you know, we listen, I, I honor my gods. I, I, I honor yeah. my gods. I hang with my friends. My friends don't necessarily believe in the same gods I do. They don't worship the same way I do. But sometimes they do shit, and I'm like, oh, I want to do some shit like that too. So as far as purity goes, that kind of doesn't even exist for me because, you know, you borrow and steal from every, you know, good artists borrow, great artists steal, <laughs> you know. So it's like, yeah, I'm picking this up from this person and that up from Christopher Penzak, and I'll probably steal something from you at some point and put that into Woo-hoo! my practice. And you know what I mean, though? It's like, chill the fuck out, Groovy. So tell me why you wrote Taken Curious. Because I got to tell you, a book like this would have been really fucking valuable to me 40 plus years ago when I was right. fucking first starting out. Because we had three writers, right? We had Budapest, we had Gardner, we had Buckland, I, and we had Krauser, we had Sybil Leak. 
But I'm telling you, it was like less than 20 people that we really read back then because yeah, that's all we could Buck- find. Buckland, Cunningham, and Silver Ravenwolf. That that was the the beginning. What I had, and yeah, I wish I had this book 40 years ago. But that's really what what made me realize there was a a, a gap in the book. Is um, I started doing a beginning to row workshop here where I live, and we get together once a month, and I'm teaching this group of women about to row and how to read and. They're learning about themselves. And simultaneously, about half of them are also my massage clients, where it all started <laughs> where they would point at a book or a crystal in the room and go, what is this? Why do you do this? What is all this stuff? Why, what are the tarot cards? Just so driven with curiosity that I went, well, I'll do a tarot class, you know, because that was the thing everybody wanted yeah. to know about. And as we're talking one day, we, we were doing a spread on one of the Sabbaths, and and one of them piped up with, well, I want to learn about that stuff too. And I said, that's a hard one because, you know, there's all kinds of books that are witchcraft 101, how to become a witch and, you know, be your witchy self. And there's a million basic witchcraft books, but there's a, a yeah. subset of people that aren't ready to do witchcraft. They aren't even ready to say that word, yeah. but they want to know what is yep. it all about. And I realized they're, they're, you know, witchcraft 101, okay, that's, that's where elementary school starts, but there needs to be pagan preschool because some people just aren't yeah. there. Some people are going to see the word witch and run away like their hair is on fire. And the mm-hmm. word is so toxic for them. That, that they need to yeah. to relearn in a gentle way that will know this is what it's about. And so I'm specifically aiming for the people that are curious to know what it is. They feel that pull to know what it is when they see this or hear that. But they may have family mm-hmm. members or friends that would just frown upon, well, that's the devil, you know, because to a non-pagan, it's all mm-hmm. the devil. You know, and that mm-hmm. that can be hard. You can feel ostracized or or judged or rejected or just get a lot of grief from other people. And I I even have family members that still knit their brows over the things I do and say. And I just you know I, I'm old enough to shrug and say whatever. But you know yeah um, yeah. Uh, but it's it's those people. It's the ones that they wander into a metaphysical shop and they're just like wow. What is it all? And I don't know where to start, you know. And, and, you know, when you're when you're that new and that curious, people are already, like, cued in that I'm really interested in witchcraft. I, that's my thing. I want to I know about that. But some people aren't there yet. And I, I think there needed to be that bridge for people that just want to know what it is and what's out there and what are these people wearing and what, what are these songs and why are they holding, what are these symbols? What is all this stuff? You know, that's really the people that book is for. So people who are experienced pagans are probably going to go, well, this is just a bunch of fluff. Well, sometimes you need a little bit of fluff to get people in a place where they're ready to learn something else. You know, that was that was one of my big gripes is I often hear to this day hear people disparage the fluffy bunny. Well, they're just in it for the crystals, you know, or whatever. And and sometimes I'll ask people, like, when has a fluffy bunny ever hurt you? Like, you know, yeah. okay. So, yeah. so they're silly and fluffy. They're they're learning. They're like they're like toddlers sticking everything in their mouth to see how it tastes. Like why they're curious and wanting to be part of this world. Why are you not encouraging them and answering questions rather than just belittling and labeling, you know, that's the, the whole fluffy bunny thing irks me because there's a place that. in the community. I well, I mean, and everybody starts off not knowing anything. So it's like, I mean, and there are some people who, you know, have a certain way about them that you'd find annoying whether or not they were pagan anyway. Um, you know what I mean? Like everyone, everyone is not for everybody, you know, and right. the people who are not, you know, you're for you as it were, 
just don't engage. Everyone doesn't need to have a fucking opinion on everyone and everything they do. It's not your fucking business. If you're not going to help, walk away. Nobody's chaining you to the chair. You know, it's this, this overarching thing where people feel like their opinions are really fucking important. It's amazing how important people think they are. And I'm yeah. like, nah, nope, 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 not that important. Guess what? You know, my Facebook feed is a lot of folks like me, a lot of older folks, a lot of younger folks too. I'm very lucky because younger folks don't mind me and they let me hang, which is very cool. Um, but I also try not to, you know, I don't shit on them. <laughs> you know? yeah. People will want you around if you are, like, polite and accepting and helpful as opposed to you're doing it wrong. And this is another thing I have said, and a lot of people refer back to my the rant I did on my birthday last year on, in October about leave these fucking young people alone. How would you like to have had to come up in front of everyone in a public forum uh, with them all typing behind their computer screens, yelling at you because you quote unquote didn't do something right? You'd never have survived. I know I would. So I do. I have a really big thing about that, you know. But yeah, so I just feel like you know you don't have to love everybody. At all. No. It's not required. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people could get a lot further if they just, if, if they just simply cited, decided um, to, you know, to use one of our popular phrases, just harm none. If what you're saying is going to be yeah. harmful, well, how about you just zip it? It's like something I, I tell, I tell several of some very dear people that I love that are very close to me <laughs> that might be married to me and, you know, related to me. But um, every single thing that you think doesn't need to come out of your mouth. It's like it, it can just stay there in your head. You know, it doesn't have to come out and get oxygen. <laughs> yeah. Your opinion is not desired or warranted. Keep scrolling. I love that, you know. It's yeah. like, I am not contributing shit to this conversation. Nobody needs my opinion. Nobody gives two fucks about what I have to say on this topic. And I don't even know enough to be dangerous. So I want to walk away from some shit that I don't fucking know. And I'm very open about the fact that even though I've been a practicing witch, not quite 50 years, but getting close every fucking year, it's getting closer, um, wow. You know, that doesn't mean I know that much. I don't. I don't know. Ever. I don't even know a quarter of anything that I thought I knew because it's really true. The older you get, the more you realize you don't fucking know about anything. Like, oh, Relationships, oh, like people. TV remote, and I, I don't know how to work half the buttons on the TV remote. Life is that way. It's like I know the buttons that I know, but if I start pushing other things, yeah. we're going to get into some deep water. <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, turning the corner from, from journalism to um, the pagan world, and um, it, it gave me like a break to reevaluate what kind of person I was and what kind of person I wanted mm. to be and be remembered as, because I had quite a reputation. Um, this, this kitty had mm-hmm. claws. She knew how to use them. But love it. <laughs> I started thinking about who are the people in the pagan world that I most admire that when I think of them, my heart feels warm and they make me smile and because it seemed like the trend was you gotta be a badass warrior witch. Every you know, I and I and this, I always see like amongst some of the pages on Facebook, people, they want to hex this one and hex that one, and they don't even actually know what that means. But it's like everybody's a badass. And I went, I can't mm-hmm. do that. And I'm not also going to be the sexy witch. Okay, that's not happening. I'm about 40 years too late for that to happen. But I thought about yeah. who, who I really looked up to as kind people. And, and I started thinking about Selena Fox and Margot Adler. And, um, you know, these are people that I've, I've seen in person and talked to. And 
they were kind to everyone and welcoming to everyone. And I became Facebook follower of Silver Ravenwolf. And, I mean, I follow her everywhere. And the thing that I always appreciated about her in her books and in life, she doesn't belittle anybody. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome at whatever place they're at, whatever uh, form they're in. And I went, that's the direction I need to go. I want to be the person that everybody knows. They could come to and ask a question and they'll never be belittled. They'll never be judged. They'll get a straight and honest answer that I can give them and try to be helpful. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I I thought maybe maybe it's, it's better to be like the Betty Whites of the world that everybody loves that that adds something to your life than it is to be, you know, one of the jackasses, one of the Donald Trumps that all you ever do is cause misery, you know. So, yeah, right. Um, right. And I there's there's a place for that in the pagan world too, for for the loving plump grandmas that we can always turn to and feel safe with, <laughs> who also have salty. Yeah, I'm kind of. <laughs> I'm kind of the Estelle Getty of all that, where it's like I'm curmudgeonly, I'm cranky, I'm funny, and you know you you know you'll always get a straight answer, even if the answer is I don't know, and I say yeah. I don't know a lot, you know. I'm and it's not something I'm embarrassed about. It's not something I get concerned about. I made it this far, and I'm okay, and you know. I think folks are cool. Folks think I'm okay to be around. There you go. I mean, that's really what it's about. Can we just have a conversation over coffee or hang out or whatever? And that's, you know, that's it. You know, I learn a lot from young folks. Some folks say, you know, they've, they've gotten a better understanding of some shit for me. If we just keep talking and not worrying about, well, who's doing it right and who's judging whom, it's a much groovier type of experience you know listen you can get very far on just not being an asshole (laughs) right it it needs to be safe for people to ask a question and it needs to be safe to not have the answer because I remember when I was starting out terrified of asking questions I would go to these conventions in the beginning and see people like Christopher Penzac and Orion Foxwood and just be entirely too intimidated to even walk up and talk to them, let alone ask a question. I, I just was Aww. utterly intimidated. And, you know, um, over time I developed some confidence, but I thought um, I can't be the only one who feels like I don't want to open my mouth because then everyone will know that I don't know what I'm doing here and I don't know what I'm talking about and I, I'm just floundering, you know, and it's those beginning people that I don't want to fall through the cracks or to give up or to feel like I don't think I can learn to do witchcraft or I can't learn to spell cast because it's too far of a reach for me. I don't, I don't even know how, I don't even know what this rock is that I'm holding, you know? So that's, that's <laughs> really the people that I'm reaching out to, you know, like, come on in, come on into this place. It's very cool. This is a wonderful party. Just come on in and check it out, and I'll walk you around, and I'll show you where all the party rooms are. I'll be your little, your little garden variety pagan tour guide and, and show you where all the stuff is. But come on in. You know, I mean, how many parties I've gone to and, and quote, hospitality suites, you know, at, at conventions, and people don't oh, even yeah. say hi. They don't welcome you in. They look at you like, I don't think you belong here, you know, and – I think there needs to be greeters, you know. I'm, I'm I'm sort of the Walmart greeter of the of the pagan world here. <laughs> Come on in, it's all good. <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome! I love that. <laughs> I'm the wall. I'm the I'm the Walmart greeter of pagan activity. Come on in, yeah. I'll give you a badge. It's hilarious. See, my whole thing yeah. is, I know I know I'm not the only person who doesn't know some shit. So my whole thing is I don't know anything. And it's amazing when you walk up to somebody and you say, hey, I don't know shit about anything. Can you tell me some shit? And people are like, I'll be happy to tell you some shit. Come here. I mean, 
and I just want people to stop. That that's it, it makes me crazy. People are so afraid that someone might know that you don't know something, but I promise you, they don't either. And a lot of the time, <laughs> it's the same fucking shit. A lot of us just have no clue. When I was coming up, it was just assumed. It was the way the books were written. It was assumed you knew so much shit. And we didn't know any fucking thing. We knew that the energy was good. We knew that we didn't like what our parents were doing and that we were learning something cool from somebody else. And, you know, it was an independence thing. It was a freedom thing. It was a not being ostracized for merely existing thing. Because that world, you know, witchcraft, paganism, whatever, alternative religion, whatever you want to call it, it's a much uh, freer way of being than the tenets of Christianity, where you're having impure thoughts and you're a bad person for thinking this, or you're a bad person for feeling that, or you're a bad person because you like boys and girls, or you're a bad person because you don't want to have sex with anybody, or any of the various, you know, or, you know, loud noises upset you, you know, there's something wrong with you, or there's always the... God, God loves you unconditionally, but if you make one false move, he's going to cast you into the pits of hell to burn forever. But other than that, it's all good. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I both, my- here's the thing. Parents are, were both, my father's passed, but my mother's still alive. They were both Pentecostal preachers. So that Wowie. was in my house. <laughs> yeah, all the Wowie. fucking time, 24-7. Yeah, honey. Honey, it was a bitch. Oh, it was not good. It was not fun. It was not enjoyable at all. Hiding from my parents was like, yeah, you didn't want to be the target. That whole thing about, you know, we left the house when the sun came up and we had to be home when the streetlights went on. Yeah, because you didn't mm-hmm. want to be there any longer than you had to be. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it was, it was such a different, different world. And I will tell you, the idea that you can walk into a room and say, somebody teach me some shit, do you know that opens a door for people to say, oh, wow, you don't think you know everything. Wow, I don't know everything either. Can we be friends? And it's an awesome experience. I have had this happen. It's like, I don't know shit. And people are like, well, you do know some stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't really know that much. So that's why I have this show, so I can learn shit from other people. It's kind of a cool <laughs> trade-off there you know you get people get to learn about you and i get to i get to learn some shit it's kind of nice you know so it's like a really nice exchange and i i I keep telling people listen i'm not the only fucking moron i promise you there's a whole (laughs) world of people who they they think they know or they want you to think they know but we're all just trying to make a nicer place together at least I thought yeah. that was the goal, you know? <laughs> yeah, that, that oh my seemed like the goal before, but I think now, you know, it's, it's a lot of pissing contests between egos, you know, and you talked about walking into a room. When I was just starting out, I'd walk into a room and think, all these people know everything and I know nothing. And, and as long as I keep my mouth shut, they won't know. But if you keep your mouth shut, then you don't ask the questions and you're your own self-fulfilling prophecy you continue to not know because you're too afraid to and yeah i also want to be the person to say i might not have all the answers but i might have a couple and if i don't i might know who to point you to who would have the answer yep so exactly yeah exactly and i think you disarm people when you are really honest with them about what you do know because it's like I, I I know people are insecure, and I know people are afraid of being hurt. That's, that is the human condition. That's just what we are as, you know, entities in a meat suit. And I think, you know, <laughs> the more we can do to kind of like get people to say, it's okay that I don't know shit. I mean, I'm, I have no problem being the first person when when the question is asked, does everybody understand what we just reviewed in class? And I'm like, nope, not a damn thing, teach. Come back this way. Uh-uh, on the ship. 
And it just made other people more comfortable to admit that they didn't know either. And for me, that's life. It's all a learning experience. And the more you can help people feel better about not knowing, the more friends you make. Because a lot of us really wish we knew more. And we just don't. Life happens. I've got two adult children. I've been married three times. I've had a lot of relationships go sideways. That's another show altogether, but you know what I mean? Like all kinds of things happen in life. Yeah, now I have a keeper oh, now that I have to start her. But, uh, you know, you reminded me of, I mentioned, you know, how this all got started was this group of women being curious about Tarot, and I had a, a far more experienced person come and teach a class to them. The, the very first time they all gathered, but she lived quite a ways away, and it just wasn't logistically doable to meet regularly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was like her assistant that day. And so I told them that, well, I don't think it's going to work for her to come here every month. And one of them says, well, then you teach the class. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. I, 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 believe, <laughs> I literally said this. I've only been studying Tarot for 13 years, and I'm just not ready. After 13 years, I'm still not ready to open my mouth. And I said, no, no, I'm I'm not. I said, there are so many people out there that just know so much more than me. Uh Well, you know more than we do, so that's good enough for us. And and that's how we got going. (laughs) Right? Isn't that just, like, amazing when people feel confident enough that they can just trust you because they know you're not full of shit? It's a lovely thing. It's a lovely thing. And they know I'll never hurt them. I might have information that later gets contradicted by someone with more knowledge, but I'll do my best to give them the straight answer and be welcoming and helpful. That's my gig. And that's, yeah, I mean, and that's really, you know, it's kind of what it's about. And I love that you wrote this book. I really do. Because I think it's so helpful for folks who aren't pagan, who may, be, who may have a, a relative or a friend, and they're like, what's your thing about? And, you know, sometimes people can't really explain what it is we do or what we believe. And it's just nice to have this very gentle overview because, you know, some people really resent being hit over the head with information. I don't know what it's about. I don't like it either, <laughs> so I'm kidding, obviously. But, I mean, the idea of a gentle introduction to a number of things that are out of the quote-unquote religious norm, as it were, you know, the Judeo-Christian yeah. scene, as it were, um, it's just so nice to have something that, you know, if you're not comfortable explaining certain things, that you can, like, give this to a member of your family and say, hey, um, here, check out this chapter on exploring the magical and mystical. And, and it's, you know, it's just lovely and sweet and calm and not, you know, the book isn't designed to turn you into anything. It's just a way to, to give a, an explanation in a very nice, logical, gentle way. And I think that's necessary, especially now. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because, you know, that's another avenue for this book is when you have people in your life that don't understand, you can give them this and Mm go, hmm, this, so it's this. And and it is welcoming and gentle. This this book really should come with with cookies and a nap so it can be a real pagan school. So it it needs cookies and and a nap. And a blankie. And a blankie. It's that kind of a book. It really is. So if you, you know, so I want, I really want to encourage folks to get a copy. It's called Pagan Curious, A Beginner's Guide to Nature, Magic, and Spirituality. And I got to tell you, it's, you know, we're already out of time and this has been so delightful. And I really hope with Deborah, you'll come back on and, and, and talk to me about your next book here pretty soon. Oh, absolutely. I, I would even come back and talk to you when we're not on. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> Yay! Yay! So they can get in touch with you and, 
And if you're doing anything live, give them some information on how to get up with you. Oh, well, I am on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under just my plain old name. And I have a website, DebraDiangelo.com, and there's a contact me button, which is super easy. And um, they can find the book on Llewellyn and Amazon and a a metaphysical store near you. But um, I'm easily contactable in any of those places. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's wonderful. Deborah, thank you again for being on. I really appreciate it. And I'm I'm looking forward to the next time we get to talk. (laughs) I'll have to hurry up and get this book finished so I can hurry up and talk to you again. Well, you're going to talk. You're going to talk to me in about ten minutes. Don't worry. <laughs> oh my gosh. So anyway, I I want to thank you again, and um, I will be speaking with you very soon. And I I had a lovely time, and I'm really looking forward me to too. it. So you have a wonderful evening, and um, we will circle back shortly. Okay? Okay. All righty. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, guys, I will be back on Friday with the amazing Mickey Mueller. We're just going to hang out and chat like we do. All right? You take care, y'all. Talk to you Friday night. Bye-bye.